We welcome you to our study on the Radio Bible course of 1 Thessalonians. Today we begin with verse 4. Paul writes, For we know, brethren, beloved by God, that he has chosen you. For our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction, with joy inspired by the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone everywhere, so that we need not to say anything. Paul here talks about these people being chosen. Now, most translations of verse 4 refer to them being chosen. And these translations are misleading to this extent. The word chosen is a verb. But the Greek word here is a noun and is better translated your election. Now, there are only seven uses of this word found in the New Testament, and four of them refer to Israel. The children of Israel were a chosen race of people. God selected this single family of people who descended from Abraham for his own purposes. Their election, however, was not for salvation. They were chosen to be God's special people, to serve God, and to be a testimony for the one true God in this world. He gave them his revelation through the prophets. He gave them his law, and only to them. So they were a very special people in the sight of God, and they still are, because they have God's law. God also determined to choose these people in order to fulfill what he wanted to do for the whole world, that is, to bring a Savior he would come through this family of people. So God chose this family of people to serve him on this earth, to be his testimony and to fulfill his purposes, but not for salvation. Since Israel was not saved by God choosing her, how were these people saved? Through faith alone. Abraham and David are examples of salvation in the Old Testament. Although Israel's selection as God's chosen people has never been annulled, only those who believe were saved for eternity. Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 11, verse 5. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. He is here referring to the Jews who believed in Christ. They constitute the chosen remnant. How were they chosen? He tells us, by grace. In Romans 11, verse 7, Paul continues, What then? Israel failed to obtain what it sought. The elect obtained it, but the rest 
were hardened. The chosen people of Israel, for the most part then, failed in regard to getting salvation because of unbelief. But those who did believe are called the elect in the Bible. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 and verse 11, we read that the total body of Christians was chosen in Christ. And they were chosen in Christ before the creation of the world. God chooses no one for salvation apart from Christ. This was God's plan from the beginning. The only way a person can become one of the elect or one of the chosen is by union with Christ. Peter referred to Christ as chosen or the elect. We read in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, Come to him, to that living stone rejected by men, but in God's sight chosen and precious. That word chosen there is the Greek word eklektos, often translated the elect. Now, in verse 4 of our study in Thessalonians, when Paul refers to the Thessalonians as the election or as the chosen ones, he means that they are such because of Christ's election. A man must be in Christ to be one of the elect, which is a term used to refer to a community of people primarily. How does one get to be in Christ? Only by faith in Christ. God chose Christ, and those who are in him therefore become chosen also. Now Paul writes again in verse 4, For we know, brethren beloved by God, that he has chosen you. And how did Paul know that? Well, he gives the reasons in the following verses. He writes, For our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. So here he expresses or explains how he knew. These are reasons for their election. He said the gospel came. The gospel is the word about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. But it came with something else. It came with power. The word has power. We read about that in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. That's one reason why we don't have to beg people to become Christians, nor coerce them, nor frighten them. We don't need to give an invitation to anybody because the announcement of the gospel is an announcement of good news. It tells everything that God has done to save every man and woman and child in this world. Everything has been done as Jesus proclaimed on the cross when he said, it is finished. There's nothing more that God can do for anyone. He has done it all. He's now waiting for people to believe the good news. So we don't need to beg people 
to accept this gift of God, which comes by the grace of God, nor do we need to tell people to do something in order to get the salvation. They merely need to respond in faith, trusting completely in what Christ did for them because God said that was enough. Those who believe God are described as the new creation. You'll find that in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Now, only God can create. Man's role is to communicate the message. We plant the seed when we preach the gospel, and that seed is God's word. But God gives the life through the spiritual birth. When a man believes, he is born again. And so Christians have come to refer to people who believe in Jesus Christ as born-again Christians. Now, that is a biblical term, but oftentimes it's misunderstood because some people think you are born again when you are baptized. Not so. You are born again when you believe. John declared that in 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. He wrote, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Now, because of the confusion over this word Christian, we have been forced to use other biblical terms in order to make the gospel clear to people. For example, there are national Christians. Some people think that because they live in the United States and the United States is a Christian country, therefore they are Christians. Well, they aren't Muslims, so they say they must be Christians. Well, that's misleading. Then there are some people who are hereditary Christians. That is, all of their family grew up in the church. That's their religion, and therefore they consider themselves Christians. And then there are ecclesiastical Christians, people who regularly associate with the church. But all Christians are not Christians, just like all Israel was not Israel. Only those who really believed were the true Israelites, as Paul proclaims in the book of Romans. So I say, not all Christians are Christians. Well, who are the real Christians then? Those who believe exclusively in Jesus Christ to save them, who have no other hope of eternal life, and those who depend upon what he did for them on that cross to take away their sins. These are the real people of God. Only God can make spiritual children because only God can activate the new birth by his Spirit. And that all happens when we hear the message and believe God. Now, pressing people into church membership may increase the membership of that organization, but it won't increase the number of brethren. The brethren are those who believe in Christ. So we need to be careful about not urging people to join a church. We need to tell them that the priority is joining Jesus Christ. And we become united with him and join him when we believe in him to be our Savior. When we do that, we become members of his church. 
although you may not belong to any particular church or any denomination. What's important is his church, because it's his church which is going to be resurrected someday and caught up into the clouds to be with the Lord forever. When a person believes in Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that the Spirit baptizes us into the body, the church. Now, this isn't water baptism. This is spirit baptism, whereby the Spirit unites the believing person with Jesus Christ and with all other believers into one body so that we are one family and children of God. Now, returning to verse 4, Paul points out something else. He said, we know, brethren, beloved by God. That's such a good and welcome expression. The Bible teaches us that God loves men. That's different from what I was taught in my early religious training. I understood that God was out to get me, to punish me. He had laws, and since I didn't obey those laws perfectly, I was in real trouble with God. I never knew about the love of God until I heard the gospel at the age of 16, and it told me about the grace of God. It announced to me what God had done for me, not what I should do for God, and I believed it. If you have believed this gospel of grace, we would like to know about it. Write to us. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.